All right, let's get this puppy started. I don't want to deny Leon his hot tub time. You're going to put on the James Brown celebrity hot tub? Give it to the hot tub. tub. Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paul. With me in the Bob Media Studios is the Sultan of Swing, the Baron of Bourbon, the Captain of Columbus, the Vice Host himself, Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. Danny, that introduction's gotten much better, and I appreciate every word of it. I'm polishing it. I'm polishing it. We are also joined by our other Vice Host. Surprise, surprise, he got his audio correct, folks. Mr. Jones is joining us in the Bob Media Studios tonight. Welcome. Hello. Hello. I can finally hear and uh, see you both. I'm hey. sorry about the C part, but I'm glad you could hear. You're coming through, buddy. <laughs> you sounded good. You sounded good. The audio is crisp. It is Thursday, the 4th of November. It is officially retail Christmas. The Christmas <laughs> apocalypse is among us. And I think... Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You just hit 53 on Spotify. Jesus Christ. Have Here we begun, go. Gentlemen. It's too early. Uh, when did the Hallmark movies start? Oh, I think they're <laughs> always in the Lifetime channel. Uh, mm. Since it's been a while since we've heard from you, Mr. Jones, do you have an update on the Prince of Walnut Creek? He's getting big and starting to take his first steps soon. So it's uh, exciting. We just got back from vacation in Maui. And uh, I think it's very interesting to watch him over 10 days, be that close to him and see how much he grew in size as well as just, you know, general understanding tracking, you know, it's just kind of a big joy, but uh, he's getting huge, which is scary how big he already is in like 18 month clothing. And so, but yeah, Hot damn. it is an exciting time in the household. Good for you, sir. What is your Brown for this evening? My brown is the wild turkey rare breed, a barrel proof. I believe this comes in at a 116.8 proof. Hot. So it is warm and gives you a big hug. Guess so. <laughs> Shabbos. As Mr. Leon would say. <laughs> what about you, Leon? What are you rocking? Uh, you know, we are almost uh, dusted the bottle of old Forester Statesman, so I thought I'd just push it over the edge and call it. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I started the night with uh, Angel's Envy Rye, if you haven't had that. It's, it's a dessert. I thought that was going to be my drink tonight, but I can't drink enough of it to get through this podcast because it's too sweet. So uh, I stepped it up to Old Forester, which has got a lot more bite. And the Statesman, because I just watched Statesman two nights ago and God, I love that movie. So is that the single barrel barrel? Um, Statesman. It's not single barrel. No, the one you're drinking, the Forester. No, it's, it's old Forester Statesman. Ah, Oh, like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. How about you? Well, <clears throat> followers of the pod will know that I've spent many moons without a day job. And so this week is my first week in my new day job. 
marketing manager position at a local tech firm here in the Phoenix area. And to celebrate that market achievement, I have the pinnacle of my brown, the bluest of oh, labels. Oh, the blue. Mm. Well played. The bluest that of is labels. That is perfect occasion. Mr. Johnny Walker in true celebration. Well good played, for you. sir. I figured this was a good end to the around the world journey that I took to finish off with the best label. Because if and when Diageo gives me a call and says, what should we do next? I will suggest the brown label as the pinnacle of <laughs> their catalog. Until then, it is the blue, and I am enjoying it very much. Cheers to you, boys. Happy Thursday. Cheers, Cheers sir. Good Congratulations. Okay, now that we got our drinks, let's talk about brown. Okay. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um... Brown. That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Today we're going to talk about kosher whiskey. This one comes to us from the Whiskey Advocate. Uh, we periodically visit the Whiskey Advocate from time to time. They are unknowingly friends of the show. When they finally pay attention, they'll be very happy to know that they're friends of the show. Until then, they're secret friends of the show. This one's called The Inside the Rules and Rise of Kosher Whiskey. This one's dated April 8th, 2021. The article begins, rabbis are asked to sign many things, marriage certificates, contracts, and the like. But Rabbi Sholem Fishbane, that's a great name, Sholem Fishbane never expected to be scrawling his signature on a bottle of whiskey. A neighbor asked him to sign a bottle of Buffalo Trace kosher whiskey. In some ways, Fishbane had already made his mark on the bottle. He's the kosherous admin, probably butchering that, administrator at the Chicago Rabbinical Council, the kosher certifying organization that worked with Buffalo Trace to ensure compliance of its trio of kosher whiskeys. What do we think of this, boys? Uh, I bought a bottle. <laughs> Uh, but, um, I haven't opened it yet. Uh, I've been told because of the wheat profile of it, it, uh, tastes much like the W.L. Weller. Wow. Like um, the accolade. I think it's a gimmick. I think that the people <laughs> that need to have things that are kosher, good for them. They get to play in, with the Brown now, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, there's two things that I don't need touching my brown and one's organic and the other's kosher it doesn't do anything <laughs> for me so uh more power to the people that do need that kind of labeling on their on their liquor but, but clearly you are not the target demographic for this product i am definitely definitely <laughs> not but it's not I, hitting I, home for you <laughs> yeah i i know that they need to you know make sure that that's nowhere near 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 the meat and the dairy or whatever the mix is for the, the kosher folks. The article goes on that's though not subject to the same rules as wine, whiskey, just like any other food or drink can be kosher to keep kosher air quotes is to follow the rules of kashrut, a set of Jewish dietary laws from the Hebrew Bible dictating which foods Jewish people can eat and how those foods may be prepared. Many, many ingredients are inherently kosher, like water, sugar, salt, says Rabbi Akiva Nihaus, director of kashrut operations at the CRC. 
Most things that come from the ground are kosher, like barley, wheat, and rye. Other products are more kosher sensitive, like wine or cheese. Those can definitely be kosher. It just has to have a lot of oversight to make sure it's done correctly. For a whiskey to be kosher, the distiller must ensure all of the individual ingredients, such as yeast and enzymes, are kosher, but that's only the beginning. Besides for the ingredients being kosher, you also have to make sure the equipment is kosher. If it's produced on the same lines as something not kosher, then even the equipment would pass and the non-kosher contamination. Uh, everything's got to be separate. You got to use separate dishware. You got to use separate utensils. Everything has to be separate and aside. The Jewish holiday of Passover, usually celebrated in March or April, presents an additional hurdle for Jewish whiskey makers. According to kosher law, a Jew may not own anything which is produced from the primary grains like wheat, rye, barley, etc., which is leavened. These items are referred to collectively as chametz. Jewish-owned whiskey companies need to sell their chametz prior to Passover each year, or else their products are no longer considered kosher. I thought this was interesting for two reasons. One, Buffalo Trace, mm-hmm. you're tried and true, and yet you are rejecting it, sir. Two, I, because it's no longer no. Halloween, you, you've said it's no. now the holiday season. What I said was, is I have no intention of buying it myself. I, I understand that people will, and there's a market for it. But personally, it's garbage. Kosher whiskey isn't limited to the United States either. Joshua Hatton, president and CEO of the Jewish Whiskey Company, an independent bottler that's home to the single cask nation brand, points out that in the mid-2000s, Glenn Rothis released Alba Reserve, which was certified kosher. And later, Glenn Morangi certified its original expression, and Ardbeg certified its 10-year-old single malt. These whiskeys remain kosher certified today. You heard that part, though. Mr. Jones, that you have to drink that before that holiday or it's no longer kosher. So that's right. Get going shit. on it. You got to do get it before going the Passover. Get on that. Uh, however, Bruch Ladach has occasionally finished single malt in kosher wine casks, such as its 1989 18 year old single malt that was finished in kosher wine casks from Israel's Carmel Winery. Milk and Honey Distillery. Last week's Around the Bound contestant based in Tel Aviv is currently making Israeli single malts, some of which are aged in kosher wine casks, including kosher sherry. There you go. I had half kosher whiskey myself. I am enlightened and civilized. (laughs) Ashrut is a set of, I'm butchering that, I'm sure, but it's a set of dietary laws within Judaism that dictates what Jews can eat and drink and how those products must be prepared in order to be considered kosher. A distillery works with a kosher certifying organization to ensure that ingredients, equipment, and practices meet these requirements. Certified kosher is always kosher, according to a kosher certifying organization. See, that gives that gives some opportunity for handouts, I think. So that's uh know where you get the permit from, is what I'm saying. The popular names here are big, uh Penderin Kelt. Interesting. It's got a griffin on the front. Milk and Honey, I've featured last week on Bottle of Brown. Koval, Single Barrel. Buffalo Trace, Kosher Wheat. Gentleman Jack. And the Glen Rothis. Have you, bo- have you both been to distilleries before? Just one, once upon a time. I, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Sure. 
No, I don't think well, so. When you go, especially to the mega ones like Buffalo Trace, pretty much everything you called out there isn't hard for them to accomplish. You know, like they have so many machines that do one thing and only one thing. So there's no reason why there would be any cross-contamination. You see that thing over there? That thing spins the corn. That thing over there, that's the wheat one. This thing over there, I mean, there's no they don't use it for other purposes it's 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 factory you know so uh i think you know kudos to them for recognizing that there's a market for this and that they're uh virtually doing it already outside of a rabbi coming in and and doing what they do to say that yep yep i'll put my signature on it but i think nothing's changed it's still the same it's just i don't know what it does is it brings our Jewish brothers into the fold. Welcome, Jewish Bobs. L'chaim. <laughs> Good point. Good point. If it, if it creates more popularity, uh, I, I celebrate it. I, I right. retract Everyone my earlier statement. be able to join the Brown, regardless of your race, color, creed. Uh, and that uh, wraps up Brown banter. But if they do vegan, this is all bullshit. <laughs> We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's business news comes to us from studyfinds.org. This is a website all about the various different studies that we find, and they kind of simplify for the scientific community. So the original source is the Journal of Applied Psychology for any of those doing fact-checking. This is a real deal. The study appeared in the Journal of Applied Psychology. It was published in October, which was last month, so it is timely. And I thought it was interesting since I have returned to the office you guys are probably considering it. I know Leon goes back to the office. Uh, Mr. J, you are in and out depending on your various needs. And of course, we've talked about it in the pod since the beginning of our first episode on whether or not work from home is sustainable or not. This study brings an interesting twist on our regular conversation about being in the office and the differences between hybrid work and work from home. The headline is, Workplace interruptions may actually make people feel like more valued employees. I can't wait to hear this. Mm -hmm. If you've ever worked in an office, you probably know the occasional interruption from a colleague is unavoidable. Maybe it's to ask for your opinion or to simply share an anecdote from the past weekend. Whatever the reason, most have heard, hey, you got a second? At least a handful of times while working. Those interruptions can be annoying but a recent study finds these workday occurrences actually offer a significant benefit. Researchers from the University of Cincinnati report that while these moments may feel like a burden at the time, they also serve to foster a much greater sense of office cohesion and sense of belonging for the person stopping to answer these questions. Study authors even go so far as to say the benefits can outweigh the negatives, such as lost productivity. Other negatives that come with such interruptions include higher stress, lower energy levels, but eventually the interrupted employees reported feeling like they belonged and an overall higher degree of job satisfaction. Thoughts, gentlemen. Danny, I used to smoke. You know that. 
cigarettes. And I wasn't like a casual <laughs> smoker. I was a real smoker. I, the pack a day kind plus. And there was absolutely a benefit to the constant interruption. I know that non-smokers look at the smokers and go, they get 15 breaks a day. I, I, I mean, I wish I had 15 breaks a day. I was always more productive as a smoker and I miss it. Uh, I, I enjoy the health benefits. I like that I can run around the block now and not, you know, throw up on myself. I, I glad all my clothes don't smell and I glad my bank account's not hurting. With all that being said, I found benefit in taking small, short breaks. Now for me, it happened to be go out and kill myself slowly, but Often either do. way it was, it was still Playing a short nerds. break. And, and what it did was I always called it the reset button. Boom. I hit, I hit the ground running when I came back in, as opposed to this, what I find myself doing sometimes when I'm too long on the, you know, hitting it too hard, I start to wander or get distracted and I lose track of it. So I do think, I'm not sure exactly what this article is calling out is where these interruptions make you more, uh, I don't know, more effective as an employee, but I do know that personally, uh, interruptions, timely interruptions aren't, aren't so bad all the time. That that's my, I mean, I honestly, I, I wrote some of my best papers. I did some of my best work in college for that same reason. I would, okay, 20 minutes. I'm going to knock this out as far as I can go. And then I'm going to go out and have a cigarette. So that part, that part, I don't need your input. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Triple, B. Triple B in the house, friend of the show. Triple B's weighing in. She doesn't like me uh, as a smoker either. But tell her that if she time. interrupts, it makes the show longer. No, you can't. Yeah, but there's your next. Wow, thank you. She, she, uh, she brought me another pour. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful oh. woman. She wants hey, what me do you to think? live and live and not smoke, uh, and brings me bourbon. Um, I agree with the fact is that you only can be locked in for so long with a task in front of you that you're trying to accomplish, trying to do. So for me, um, it's kind of like a break now where you just turn around and go in, in the current environment, not having someone come in and interrupt me, but the, just go into Google, just read the news, see what's going on, whatever news article or a website or something like that. And that becomes that quote unquote, 15 minute break. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's impossible to stay focused for so long because the reality is, is we really don't take breaks anymore when you work from home. And being able to just, you know, pop into a website for a minute, read a few articles and then go back at it um, is good for the brain to, to take a, a refresh, a deep breath and then start back in again. Now, I don't smoke. Used to also, but um, yeah, nasty habit. Well, the uh, article no arguing that. <laughs> this is not a debate on smoking good or bad. It's a terrible, terrible habit. Terrible habit. We should never start it. The article goes on to say, if the past year of social distancing and isolation has shown us anything, it is that humans are social beings who have an inherent need for interacting with others, says lead study author Harshad Puranik, PhD, assistant professor in the Department of Managerial Studies at University of Illinois, Chicago. Uh, our study revealed that by providing this avenue for social interaction with one's colleagues, work interruptions led to a greater sense of belonging. This sense of belonging, in turn, led to higher job satisfaction. We find that interruptions can actually benefit individuals from an interpersonal perspective, 
People feel like they belong when others come and talk to them or ask them questions, even while being distracted from their tasks. The sense of belongingness mitigated the negative effect of interruptions on job satisfaction. Thus, interruptions at work may have gotten a bad rap due to a failure to consider their human element. So the quick question for you, office visits, while annoying and uh, a potential source of lower productivity, are a net benefit, according to said study. I think so. I, I I know we've talked about in the past. I'm a fan of going to the office for many different reasons. And uh, we're not going to rehash them all, but the human inter- interaction part, it's, it's in re- irreplaceable. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not an advocate against working for home. I think that they both have their place. I think that your relationships uh, are a lot stronger in person though. So... I think that the initial interruption is probably annoying and that's directly correlated to the urgency of the work you're performing at the time. But I think you always feel good by the end of the interaction uh, because it was a point of social interaction. You're you're assuming that it's good news uh, because they don't talk about interruptions that are bad news. Hey, where's that thing I'm looking for? Or here's more work for you. The, the data that they're possibly cherry picking in the study is when somebody drops in and says, Hey, can you help me? Yes, obviously that is going to provide positive uh, when balanced against the interruptions, and the loss of productivity. What I would have liked is if they had talked about those interruptions that are negative, such that somebody comes in and goes, Hey, can you handle this for me? Because that to me is a negative interruption. So positive yeah. interruptions create positivity. I would think that negative interruptions create negativity. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I think it just plays on the whole collaboration as like aspect of being in the office where um, it's difficult as we've learned in the last year to be collaborative with people when you're working from home, because you're either I aming and pinging them or calling them and the interruption is a little bit different than knowing if their door is closed at their office. So it, the collaboration piece of this is I think is a real kind of crux of why you would say it's beneficial because there's also a self, um, benefit by helping out your coworker, whatever collaboration you're trying to do, as well as um, fit that kind of conversation piece of, of worth and so forth. So, yeah. I, I, well, also think about if you're the interrupter, have you ever had one of those experiences where you're like, Hey, in the corporate world, you have to go talk to this boss or the boss of the boss or the three levels above that. And you, you have to get an answer and you walk up there and mm-hmm. obviously they're busy, but they say, come on in, come in, you know, something about that. There's a good feeling like, okay, I, I am important here. Accepted. I am important enough. I'm yes, accepted. Enter, important enter enough. my chambers. Yeah. Enter. I have, what do you, whatever you have to say is important and I, I need to hear it. And there's, uh, there's something about that too. That just, it's, it's the collaboration that Mr. Jay's talking about. And it, it also makes you feel like you're part of the team and uh, that kind of, I don't know, uh, feeling you get from that and, and camaraderie or yeah, it's, it's a team building thing that no one really even talks about. So yeah. I think the article calls that out and I think it's interesting. Yeah. And it points out the fact is it was lost over the last year as, as we kind of all learned to adapt in a different way to get the job done. Traditionally, managers and CEOs have worked to eliminate office interruptions whenever possible. These findings, however, suggest supervisors worldwide may want to allow a bit more leeway in that regard moving forward. So water cooler chatter 
while annoying and seemingly unproductive, has ancillary benefits and network effects. Here to science, as it were, so to say. Proven study fact. appears in the Journal of Applied Psychology, and that wraps That's up real. business news. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file comes to us from NBC News. Dated October 28th, 2021. Student staff lap dances at Kentucky High School lead to disciplinary actions. The lap so dances occurred no, because Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a because Kentucky, but I thought this one was just, just precious because what they suggested was that this is the thing. This is not an isolated incident. This is how they roll in Kentucky. Mm. Kentucky fingers where you want to. The lap dances occurred during Hazard. Oh, Hazard High School. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of red flags already. <laughs> Uh, the lap dances occurred during Hazard High School's homecoming festivities. The superintendent said what was supposed to be a fun activity, quote, got out of hand. The superintendent of the Perry County, Kentucky School District said disciplinary actions were taken after photos posted to social media showed high school students giving lap dances to staff members. I'm going to let that sit there for a bit. Social media has ruined everything. These poor kids and staff just wanted to have a good time. That's what I hear. That's what I'm reading in this article. Hazard Independent School District Superintendent Sandra Combs said she was made aware of the images on Tuesday and launched an investigation the following day. The pictures are posted on the Hazard High School Athletic page, but have since been removed. They are still circulating on social media sites and show scantily clad students appearing to touch and dance in front of staff members. I found photos of inappropriate student-led activities that had since surfaced on social media. The district has the responsibility to address these issues that arise out of school-based activities. As a district, we are doing exactly that, Holmes said in a statement. She said appropriate disciplinary actions had been taken, quote-unquote, but could not disclose further information because it involves personnel matter. The lap dances occurred during homecoming festivities at the school, which is located roughly 210 miles from Louisville. Combs said the activities are driven by the students and are supposed to be fun and good-natured, but did not play out as intended. District has not identified yeah. any of the staff or students involved. According to the Louisville Courier-Journal, the school's principal, Donald Happy Mobellini, was involved and is pictured in one of the images. The dude's name is Happy. <laughs> the school is Hazard. The state is Kentucky. And the dude's name is Happy. The principal's nickname I, is Happy. I feel like this was fate, just laying it out, and we are just watching it happen. Okay, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add a little fuel to this, Leon. You ready? I'm ready. The school's principal, Donald Happy Mobellini, was involved in his picture in one of the images. Mobellini, who is also the mayor of Hazard, did not Wonderful. immediately respond Wonderful. to a request for comment on Thursday. A city and spokesperson did not be reached. And the firefighter. He, he's part of he's the head bucket brigade brigade person. He's Got the chief it. cook and bottle washer. Hey, the prince. Oh, uh, the prince made an appearance. For those of you listening at home, little little man made an appearance. Okay. I got two Go opinions Leon. on Go. this. 
as a parent who has kids in school, this is appalling. I hate it. Clean it up. This is an institution for learning. As a person that feels like society in general is getting too hard on themselves, I think it's kind of funny, but let's just move on. Like nobody was really hurt here. It was a funny joke that went a little too far and the images, it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong, you know, but I do think there's areas of severity of wrong and I, I mean, I guess if I saw the pictures, it would be different. I, 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 I don't know. But, you know, from the yeah, description. The didn't happen. I mean, this is just a news source. Yeah. Uh, but from the description, I'm not, you know, losing my mind on the whole thing. But in addition to disciplining those what do you involved. Think? You don't have a, you're not weighing in here. I want to hear your opinion. Well, I want to, I want to go through this part. So the, in addition to disciplining those involved, Combs said a student activity committee will be created to oversee all student-led activities in hopes of preventing another incident. Like a committee is going to solve what happened. This was a it's bunch of students that started getting rowdy and the teachers were there and they thought, oh, this will be fun. The teachers are here. I think back to when we were in high school, like there were teachers that we probably would have wanted to invite for a moment like that. And of course, mm-hmm. if one of them is the mayor, it's like, well, hey, does it get higher than the mayor of Hazard? Right. We're just ridiculous prudes these days. I mean, I don't think in an assembly setting, it was a, it was a sexual event. It was a funny thing that was probably happening. Kids were getting a kick out of it. Everyone was having a good time. It wasn't really, that's the way I'm picturing it. Maybe that's not fair. I wasn't, I didn't see it. But. Well, it says it's during homecoming festivities, but it doesn't say at what time of day it was. So that's yeah. the interesting part is if it happened at night or did it happen during the day? And here's the thing is if, if they found the pictures later because of social media, that suggests to me that it was off school grounds. So this wasn't a naughty, naughty during school. They would have shut that down. This was just sounds like a private event. No way. I'm not reading it in that way. Okay, now. Okay, well, that's why it's open to interpretation. Uh, at the end of the day, the lighthearted activity simply got out of hand, and for that, we apologize. In the future, we will strive to keep the lighthearted, fun nature of school activities without the inappropriate behavior. See, much ado about nothing. But hey, I, I love the fact that some series of events eventually led to students giving the mayor a lap dance at the homecoming game. Okay. I hope well, they won. Uh, I'm watching. I'm watching it. I'm, I literally Googled it during Found this. It. Okay. And uh, it's during an assembly in the gym. I would say the pictures are inappropriate, but obviously joking. So garments. Yeah. I mean, the kids are wearing wigs. It's guy. It's, it, it looks like football players dressed as women. Oh, giving lap dances. All right. Okay. So this is something that we would have done when we were in high school. Yeah. Irresponsible journalism with clickbait headlines. No, it's, it's, you look it up. There's a lot of people super fired up about it. And really, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's clearly inappropriate. It's not a great thing to do, but uh, with, with the world imploding on itself, I don't know that this is a top story. But it seems to be one here. So yeah. fascinating. Worthy of the crank file? Worthy of the crank file for sure. It is absolutely well. crank file. Very well. <laughs> well, well done. 
That wraps up the crank file. Click, 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 click. Let's get on to because Florida. Oh, Florida. This one comes to us from Florida Keys News. A giant snail that can eat your plants and house eradicated in Florida. Again. What? These Florida things are has enormous. won. Yeah. Florida has won, at least for now. A battle against an invasive snail that can grow to be eight inches long, eat 500 kinds of plants, and the stucco off your house. The slimy invaders also carry a parasite that can cause meningitis in humans and pets and is a deal breaker in global agricultural trade. The price tag oh. for getting rid of the dangerous mollusks, mollusks in the state over the past decade has been $24 million. Holy shit. The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services said Wednesday that it had eliminated the giant African land snail, an invasive species that was spotted in 2011 near Douglas Park and Coral Gables and quickly spread across Miami-Dade and parts of Broward. How do you eradicate it? That's, that's two snails that take up an entire human hand. We're talking enormous. What are we talking? Baseball size? Those things are huge. Yeah. Yeah. How did they find a Uh, shell that big? Softball size. Softball size, I would say. Yeah, they're big. Eradication means that a live snail hasn't been spotted in Florida in three years. The invasive pest, which originally from East Africa, had been around before infesting South Florida in the late 60s and 70s after a boy returned from Hawaii with three snails and gifted them to his grandmother, who released them in her garden. The state was able to control mm. the outbreak in 75. Mm. They're in Hawaii, huh? Hawaii, Leon. Hmm. They're coming for you. I've never seen one before. Well, uh, you know, I didn't realize not until we moved here that I hadn't seen any snails in, in Ohio. It's not that they didn't exist. It's just we didn't see them. Uh, but when, of course, when we move here to SoCal, they're common as, as can be. And my daughter and, and wife are quite freaked out about it. <laughs> Although my daughter more than anything. So we try to get cute names like Gary from uh, SpongeBob <laughs> and Turbo, uh, and try to ease it. But, uh, I'll tell you, they, if we left the pumpkins out for a couple of days and they love pumpkin. Okay. They, they they migrated towards the pumpkin. I'm glad they don't eat the stucco off my house, though. Yeah, the article goes on, apart from the risk to human and animal health, the snails love to eat fruits and veggies that Florida farmers grow, threatening a $250 billion industry. If there's a risk that agricultural exports from Florida may harbor the pests, trade partners could refuse shipments from impacted areas. Here's the interesting one. They are hermaphrodites. So when two snails come together to mate, the two of them will generate more than a thousand eggs. To get rid of them, every single one must be destroyed. Not even buildings are safe when they're around. If the snails don't get enough calcium from the soil for their shells, they gobble up the stucco off the sides of houses, leaving a trail of stinky poop. The U.S. Department of Agriculture in the state of Florida spent a combined $24 million over the past decade on research into the creature's biology and on trying to come up with efficient ways to kill them. Data collection was key as officials were able to deploy resources more efficiently to areas where outbreaks were reported. All right. Here's what I'm thinking. First thoughts. 
right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. The state was able to control the outbreak in 1975. Hermaphrodites, two of them come together. They lay a thousand eggs each. They mm-hmm. eat the stucco off your house. They eat everything in their path. Alien was released four years later mm-hmm. by Ridley Scott. Is there a correlation? It's funny that you're correlating it to a movie because I was going a totally different direction. Do it. During Halloween, I watched one of my favorite movies of all time, Shaun of the Dead. And when you watch those type of zombie movies, which the majority seem to have that type of zombie representation and, and not like World War Z and all those where zombies are super fast and shit. They're like slow moving, dumb. You know, you look at these snails, they're slow and big and you can't miss them and they're almost impossible to get rid of and uh you know zombie apocalypse are real they could happen that's 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 how i feel about that well (laughs) like any invasive predator they brought in the dogs two golden labs were trained (laughs) to find them even if they are among the largest species of snail in the world the creature's biology makes it hard to catch they are more active at night and they camouflage perfectly in south florida's lush habitats Native Florida snails are smaller and live on trees, while the African land snails generally live on the ground, hiding in the grass and leaves. If it's too dry or hot outside, they burrow inches deep into the soil and hide. During rain events, and South Florida has plenty of those, they come out in full force to take advantage of the moisture they need to stay alive. Fascinating. He got This was a good one. I enjoyed And you never this. ran into these in Daytona? Never saw one. Never even heard of them. Hmm. Florida is a major port of entry for both people and goods. With that comes increased risk that the invasive species and diseases are brought in both intentionally and unintentionally. And they had a ceremony to mark the eradication of the Douglas Park swarm. Goodness gracious. All right. Don't go to Coral Gables. Snails will eat the stucco off your house. (laughs) That's where Bacardi's at. Coral Gables. The snails drink rum. Apparently, they like rum. Some dovich. Well, that wraps up Florida. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's the mileage. Today's parenting comes from um, an unlikely place. It comes from a post that I got on Instagram. This account on Instagram is Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. And it's a mother-daughter combination. I'm not aware of any medical credentials, but they do these neat little TikTok videos where they hold up kind of handwritten signs to the camera that talk about positive affirmation things to be aware of, how to deal with toxicity, how to forgive yourself. Very, very nice, uplifting kind of little pokes of of positivity to kind of help your day go. This one kind of was very interesting to me because uh, I've seen elements of this with people that I think were very dismissively labeled as crazy. It's like, why, why, why can't they just relax? 
And of course, you always want to know, you know, maybe we could unpack that. Maybe we could go deeper. So this was interesting to me. Children who are raised in chaos become adults triggered by peace. And this to me was a fascinating thought that I would probably want to do a little bit more real abject research. But for the purposes of our discussion, let me read the caption on the Instagram post. When you grow up in a family of chaos, trauma, addiction, or disorganized energy, you slowly become accustomed to the energy, your nervous system adapts, and it becomes normal for you. When you become an adult, chaotic energy is what you seek. It's what you will try to create in every situation. It's all you know, so you're drawn to it. Peaceful, calm, organized energy feels uncomfortable, and actually you don't feel at home there, so you're triggered and try to sabotage the conversation, or you run. So if you know anybody that can't sit still, that always has drama, that's always looking out for, you know what I heard, what did they say? Well, what did they mean by that? Or issues of where somebody is quiet and peaceful and minding their own business, they gaslight them or they project onto them. It could be because they were raised in a chaotic environment and chaos is what they know, such that when they look at something that's not chaotic, they see it as foreign or possibly even a threat, ironic as that sounds. What do you think, Liam? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think you're wrong. And I don't think the statement's wrong. I think it's spot on. I think uh, people that grow up in chaotic environments, I was one of them. Uh, uncomfortable silences are more uncomfortable for them. And I think that people that need something to talk about <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a leap. You know, I, I think that a chaotic environment growing up versus somebody that needs to tear into people is, is there's probably a correlation, but I don't think it's uh, a direct correlation. Yeah, I think because, because you made the statement there that, you know, people that are always, you know, needed to be in the drama or stirring up shit. I, I don't know that I get that from this quote. I do get that people there's different horses for different courses. You've heard that one, right? And I think Splain. that, Splain. I think that, uh, and, and, and we've, have you ever been through Briars Riggs or any, or any of those, um, personality type yeah. tests, right? Yeah. You know, you're a red, you're a blue, you're a yellow, you're a, you're a high D or a D or an I or a C or a, whatever. Okay. So I, what I'm, what I'm saying there is that there are people who thrive off of chaotic environments and they have a role in a lot of large organizations. You will see them in the operational side. You will see them in the um, think fast environments, think on your feet, uh, go, 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 go. As, as opposed to the people that like the calm and the plan, you'll see them in analytics and you'll see them in accounting and you'll see them in places that have structure and they have timelines and they have uh, very well-defined rules that need to be followed. So I think that, uh, I think that people that are, you can't always prevent being raised in chaos. Sure. Shit can't do it in the last two years. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, either you're, everybody's in chaos right now. They're trying to figure out how to conform to this 
rapidly, rapidly changing world around us, you know, and, you know, all of us are being parents for the first time and we're trying to figure out how to raise our kids. And at the same time, we're trying to figure out how to keep our head above water in, in an environment we know we can't even learn, can't even learn from the past because this has never, this has never happened. So uh, I, I guess this is a very long winded way of saying it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely something that needs to be cognizant. You need to be cognizant of. Yeah. I was and, thinking and you and play uh, your strength. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to refute any of that. I think that personality styles will fit into the workplace with a given task or a, a certain skill set. And I think people gravitate towards those skill sets based on their inherent personality traits. And whether you apply to the disc assessment or the Myers-Briggs, uh, as you're talking about, Leon, what I'm thinking about is more people that can't sit still. Uh, when you're young, it can be a function of youth because, you know, kids have high metabolisms. They got a lot of energy. They can't sit still. But when you're an adult and you see somebody sitting still and quiet, it's it's that what they're talking about is the trigger or the attempt to sabotage. It's the why are you so quiet? Why are you just sitting there? What are you thinking about? What's wrong? So like, nothing's wrong. It's, you know, just I'm just sitting here enjoying the enjoying the nice weather, or I'm I'm watching the ocean. And I think it's the the more of the the manic. You have to fill a hole. So what I'm wondering about is in situations like that, you think about specifically what you're talking about the last two years. There is chaotic. Uh, there is chaos when you have kids working from home or going to school from home, you have an overdue burden on the parents and it's usually the mother. It also comes into play where situations like lockdown, where you're stuck, you have a higher instance of domestic abuse. You have a higher instance of child abuse. You have a higher instance of drug dependency. You have a higher distance of substance abuse. All of those things are to fill kind of what they're talking about here. If you can't just be, and I think some people really struggle with that and it could be an inherent personality trait. It could be, you know, the nurture versus nature argument, but there's also the something happened to you earlier on in your life that you're probably not dealing with. And the danger of that, as everybody should realize by now is we take a lot of it from our parents and we pass it on to our kids. So I agree with your last point there, Leon, is you got to be aware of it at least. So take a moment to try and pay attention to how your children are behaving. If you think it's normal, that's cool, but get an objective opinion because if somebody yeah. else doesn't think it's normal, at least now you have perspective. Mm -hmm. I was hoping Mr. Jones would be with us, but he's got daddy duties. So he won't be able to chime off on this one, but this one, uh, this one resonated with me more than some of the other topics we've, because we've gone deep in the parenting segment, but this one to me is because of lockdown and all the different ways that people are adapting to life. You do a lot of soul searching in moments like this and you do a lot of figuring out. So if you grow up in chaotic energy, that's what you're going to seek as an adult. And the one time in your life that you really have control over yourself and your situation is when you're an adult. You're on your own. You can do whatever you want. By needing to seek out chaotic energy when you're autonomous and you're on your own, that points to you know, maybe some psychological evaluation or at least some internal 
uh, review. Well, I'll tell you, do you know a better truth teller than a kid? I don't. I mean, they are absolute mirrors or of yourself. You know, you see, they say things that you say. They, in random observations, they, yes. When you're yeah, pressing they, them for information, I go back to Bill Cosby. Yeah, they do. And and one thing's for sure, not only are they truth tellers, but I, I also know that they can cut right through the bullshit. And a lot of us have been trying to put on fake faces or fake personas, like you're stressed, you're stressed because you have deadlines and you've never had to work from home and you're trying to figure out zoom and the damn zoom thing didn't go off. Right. And you know, your internet's going out and you know, you're trying to, you know, trying to oh, guys, I'm going to have to work till 11 o'clock tonight. Again, you're all these things are going on. And then your kid comes in and you're like, Hey, Timmy, how you doing, Timmy? Timmy, having a good day, Timmy. And they're like, shut the fuck up, dad. I, I know what's going on. You know, I, they, they understand, they get it. You know, you, 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 I guess you nailed it by be aware of it, do your best to mitigate it, but you, you can't put on a fake face and you can't put on a fake persona and think the kids are going to buy it. Well, that's they're true. not for they're sure. going to buy it. For sure. So. Mr. Jones, we got a minute left in this segment. Can you see that Instagram post and give us mm -hmm. any quick thoughts? This is an interesting topic. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're, so one of my very first jobs was doing after school day, after school daycare. And it was really interesting. You were the aftercare guy. I know. I was like the guy that hates kids. Like, Oh, let's go give him a bunch of kids to go watch. Okay. But it was interesting. It was also one of the greatest jobs I ever had probably pretty much because it, it taught me a lot about myself, but in doing so too, it was really interesting is these kids, if you think about obstacle day pair programs, they are typically kids from divorced families where the parent has to work or low income families or whatnot. And it also, this program was really, really expensive in Orange County. So um, what was really fascinating was some of the kids, they become dull about things that you would think would be triggers such as abuse or um, living out of a car or drug usage and so forth. And it was interesting that like how numb they were about those topics. They were just happenstance. They were conversations. They didn't matter. And so when you think about it, like I would love to know where maybe some of these kids are today. Um, some, you know, probably turned out great and yeah. others not so much. And I think to this point is that like, absolutely. If you're a product of your environment and if your environment is, is chaos, guess what, you know, you're going to have problems like, um, so anyways. Well said, sir. Um, that wraps up parenting. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's time for Leon Lowe's. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Danny, Mr. J, you missed it last week. 
I was all fired up to talk about how mad I was at the utilities and how we have to deal with their systems that they've designed us, the consumer, we have to, we have to conform to their system. And right when I was about to go off on it, what do you think happened? <laughs> and I am not shitting you. I, I have it written here. It's proof. What do you think happened? <sighs> Power went out. Power went out right he was, at he the was Leon starting to heat flows. up. Like the the burners were on. We were going to put the pot over the over the flames to boil the water, and boom, power outage. Flash I'm not exaggerating. I've spent over twenty hours on the phone this week alone with the utility companies because the mail system is running behind so much, and I'm actually getting bills arriving the day or days after they already do. So I'm scrambling to try to get them all paperless at this point so that I can make sure that I can stay on top of them faster. Not only do I have to con convert my systems and my processes in the office to conform to a paperless system, I have to sit on the phone and try to create a new process for each one of these horrible companies that will not in any way help their consumer and uh, with with their product it's it's my my system deal with it so you know if you have multiple properties like myself you gotta you gotta log in multiple different times you can't have one you know grand account you can't uh, oh this account that's a residential account i'm gonna have to transfer you to someone else and you'll have to sit on online for another hour i was all prepped to talk about that and how angry i was and how in of how inconsiderate they are of their people that they're serving and what happens the power goes out so i'm like well i mean that's ironic so then i do a little bit of research because i'm sitting in the black around my house you know we're using my phone as a flashlight and i realized that this was a planned outage they just decided we needed to work on the lines so they just cut the power but told no one and you can go online and in the see middle it. of it's our broadcast like in the middle of our broadcast, they I, I went in and I looked and said, Oh, yeah, planned outage. This isn't this isn't an accident or anything. And we expect to be out for three hours. We're upgrading some kind of lines. They don't tell you, they don't send you any emails. They don't, at least they didn't for us. They just did it. And then once it happens, you go online to find out what happened. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we planned it, but you know, you, you suck it up. So thank God I'm putting some panels on my house and I have a battery on the side of my house that is going to be going into effect here soon. So I don't have to deal with this garbage anymore, but why do we, the constituents <laughs> of this United States of America put up with this horrible, horrible bullshit douchebaggery of the highest sort. And that's what I have to say about our utility companies. Yeah. The thing, the plural about that is, companies just because oh, you yeah. put solar on your house doesn't mean you're still going to be able to watch tv or do all your usual stuff anymore <laughs> i will oh i will you better believe it i figured out what the voltage was and how to direct what to what TV. Yeah, I get. you don't have I a get pathway one. to your house what are you talking about the, i have solar the, panels the, no the solar's fine yeah but i got the solar. pathway the pathway for the internet that goes to your home if it loses power to that you shouldn't i don't think you still have cable 
Well, we mean the uh, the fiber optic. The fiber optic's not going to work. Yeah, well, mother. Well, I yeah. guess I'll have to use the uh, antenna then. So so yeah. the <laughs> and let's hope antenna. they didn't shut down the cell towers. <laughs> you know, because the cell towers also are using the same line, maybe of power. So if the grid goes down, there's a chance it might work. It's a six-hour drive on? out to I Phoenix. Like burst in your Five, bubble, if you're in a hurry. I got a spare room. I got plenty of juice. We'll do a live episode. Oh, Anna Poe. Anna Poe. The, Anna the Poe. irony of them shutting the power off right before I bitched about them is hilarious to me. Mm. And that's all I have to say mm. about that. <laughs> Immortalizing to you forever on the interwebs. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. I feel better. I feel better. I'm ready good. to get back on hold. Good. Again I'm, I'm glad tomorrow. we're an outlet for your rage. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Positive yeah. place to be. I don't know that the, the, the magic 24 is happy with this segment as I am, but it's therapeutic for me. So I appreciate you all handling my rage for two to three minutes a, a week. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that Leon, because, uh, for those of you Bobs out there, the Magic 23, the Magic 25, we have to do some metrics to see what our latest listener rating is, but it is growing. And what? as it grows, we continue oh. to want you to grow with us. And we want this to be an interactive conversation. So you can call us here at Bottle of Brown Podcast. Phone number is 602-529-4562. You can also email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can leave an email for Danny. You can leave an email for Leon, Mr. Jones, any of the guests we've talked to. Please give us some ideas. Let us know what you want to talk about. And always, uh, if you like the show, please share it with others. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Gentlemen, that wraps us. I believe Leon has a date with the bubbly. And of course, Mr. J has to take care of the prince. I myself am going to hit it early because my new job requires a one-hour commute each way. Whoa. Time for rev up that motorcycle. I'll see you gentlemen next week. Same brown time, same brown channel. As usual, it's a pleasure, gentlemen. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>